Kirsten Cotton, everybody. I'm so excited Hi. to have you on my live recording of Control Alt Delete podcast. I've wanted to have you as a guest for ages, so this is just the perfect opportunity. Oh, well, it's an absolute pleasure, so thank you. Congratulations on Hungry Babies. Thank it came you. out officially yesterday. It did, yes. My nephew is, was obsessed with the Yoga Babies. He's very happy there's another one. Good. How has it been? Lovely. Well, the great thing about this is we've, it's the same characters. So if, you know, we had such lovely feedback from Yoga Babies and just brilliant, you know, Instagram posts, people tagging me with their kids doing the moves. And you don't know when you're working on a project like this, you know, are the kids going to actually do it? Are they going to like it? And I'd road tested it on my own children and they liked it, but they're in it. So of course they're going to like it. Um, but it's just been wonderful. So we've used the same characters, but they're in a different situation this time, sort of tackling tricky dinner times, which anyone out there with kids will know can be brilliant and also horrific slash annoying. What made you specifically want to write children's books because you are a woman of many talents and you've written a lot of books. Well I love writing like you and I find it a massive catharsis um, you know just that process I love I love the whole thing about it and I feel re really lucky to have been in the position where I've been able to do it so with you know the books Happy and Calm they were just amazing to get so stuck into it very intense subject matters and intends to write a lot of, sort of self-analysis and inventory along the way and it's nice to balance everything out that I'm doing you know books and tv or radio with things that are just really fun and light and this was certainly that so it worked really you know in harmony with the other projects um book wise and being a mum I read tons of kids books every night of my life and you'll know if you've got, you can hear there's some kids in the background <laughs> if you're listening to this now, um, that your kid will often just like one book for about three months and you want to throw that book out the window so badly because you literally can't read it again. It's like torture. Um, so you start to think about kids' stories and like make stories up for your kids. And I certainly started doing that. Um, so it was, it was a really sort of natural avenue to go down, really. Because with yoga babies, that made total sense. With hungry babies, again, you love food, you love yoga, you love, love well-being, yeah. happy vibes. Um, wh why did you want to talk specifically about food as well? Do you think it's also just a really important topic with yeah, kids? It's just tricky with kids. You know, I really underestimated that going into parenthood. You just go, oh, I'm pregnant, yay, and then everything's going to be great. And then you go, oh, my God, there's all these hurdles to get over. And I think food is a big one for a lot of kids out there. A lot of parents out there, um, you know, you want your kids to eat well. You want to know that they have got, you know, lots of goodness going into them. But it's such a minefield. There's just so many hurdles to get over with it. And there'll be patches where everything's great and the kids are eating brilliantly and other patches where it's really hard work and, it's, and it can be quite stressful. So I certainly wanted to bring a lot of fun to this subject and make the book fun for kids to look at and... And the sort of adventure of food and the exploration of food to be present within the book. I found that's the best thing for my kids is to just make it fun. It's not always. Sometimes I am having bowls of pasta thrown at me and sort of weeping in a corner. Um, but, you know, most of the time it is really fun and getting them to sort of help out and get involved in that process. So that's, that was kind of the main ethos of this one. Basically, a lot of my parenting is about bribery. Um, and, you know, with food, sometimes it is just a case of, you know, who's eating better than the other because they're so competitive, naturally. 
Um, doesn't always work. But it is, I find the best tactic really is more just about sneaking things in. So getting vegetables in that they can't see, you know, in smoothies, I do a lot of, you know, giving things a fun name. So the smoothie that we make is called <laughs> Monkey Juice. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, you know, before now had stayed within the four walls of my own home. But yeah, so monkey juice is thing, and it's bananas and dates and rice milk, and there's loads of kale in there. It's green, and it's quite fun colour, but it's got loads of vegetables in it. Um, and again, with pasta sauces, stuff like that, you know, and, and giving things funny little names. Sometimes works, not always. <laughs> but it is definitely about just trying to, you know, make it fun. And do you think we're in a time where we are more honest and sharing more with each other? Because, I mean, I love following you on Instagram and I feel like we do get to know people a little, a little bit more now. Do you, do you find that we're so. just in a time, and I know all of your work that you do with mental health, do you think it's easier now to just connect with other people and other parents as well? Yeah, I think, I think everybody, people are more used to sharing, aren't they? We all are now, we're more used to sharing information, whether it is social media or just how we communicate with each other. I think everything is a lot more open. If you look to the generation above us and then certainly above them, you know, my grandparents wouldn't have said a thing. And my nan was going through lots of very tough times mentally, but I didn't know about it. You know, it just wasn't talked about. And I think we're lucky in that way that, you know, there are less taboo subjects these days. And if there are taboos, there's definitely someone out there trying to break them. Um, And I think it is really lovely, especially for parents to have... Like you say, that connection and that communication, if you are having a tough time, people are more willing to go, yeah, you know, it's not all just brilliant, you know, running through cornfields with your kids looking cute. You know, it's hard work. It's amazing, but it's hard work. And I think people are being more honest about that on social media, but just how they're communicating. Certainly my friendship circle, you know, we're on a WhatsApp group and we'll all be going, oh my God, you know, this is awful. Has this happened to you? Or... Is this normal? Lots of that sort of thing. And God, that is so lovely to not feel isolated or alienated in what you're panicking about. Um, So I think it's nice that we live in a a time where people do share more and it's much more acceptable to do so. Yeah. This is such a random reference, but in Sex and City 2, I don't know if anyone (laughs) has seen that recently. That's the one that's not good. Yeah, it's really bad. But there's one good bit where Charlotte and Miranda are basically saying about all of the bad times they've had with their kids recently and they're taking like shots. And it's just really funny (laughs) because it's like, God, that honesty is, is great. It's good because I think, you know, there are obviously a lot of people out there still, and we're talking about social media now, who do want to portray a very uh, two-dimensional life where everything just does look amazing and brilliant. Um, And we can all be guilty of that to some extent, but there are some people that they're they're not fallible in the eyes of the Instagram viewer. Um, And I think that's quite dangerous because, you know, no life is perfect or as shiny as that might look. Everyone is having a tough time in one you know, area of their life. And I think all parents will definitely have, you know, one or two tricky bits, whether it's food or sleep or behavioural problems, whatever. Without exception, it's very hard to dodge that. Um, so, yeah, we've all done shots and hid in the pantry, right? <laughs> it's so true. It's like every, behind every holiday picture is like a train delay or a flight yeah. delay or a suitcase that's broken. But anyway, um, I wanted to ask you quite a cliche question. I'm so sorry if you've been asked this a hundred million times, but... As someone with lots of um, fingers in pies and, you know, you're really busy, but obviously you speak a lot about well-being, how do you juggle everything? I thought you were going to say, what's Keith Lemon like? So that's absolutely <laughs> fine that you just asked me that. That's um, my uh, that's ne- next question. question. <laughs> I get. Yeah, well, we can breeze over that one. Um, I, you know what? I juggle it 
the best I can. Sometimes I feel like I'm nailing it. Like, yeah, you know, I had a whole morning with the kids and then I had to go to work in the afternoon and I did both to my best ability. And then other times it all is just falling apart and feels like a complete mess, you know. The kids are having tantrums and I was rubbish at work or whatever. You know, it's there's good bad good days and bad days and because I've got lots of different things at the same time that I'm trying to run, the the thing that I neglect the most is me. You know, I'm always you know, the one that's getting run down or has no clean clothes or hasn't eaten properly and everyone else I've kind of sorted out. So that's the thing that I'm now working on at this point in my life is, right, you know, I've got this project under control and I've finished this book and I've filed it and I'm going to put that to bed and then just, okay, what do I want to do? Just something for me. And I think when you're a mum or a dad, it's really hard because you don't get much time to do that. So it's trying to carve it out. Um, but the juggle is tough, you know, it's, sometimes it's brilliant and I love everything and then other days it just feels very, very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Your, your podcast, Happy Place, I absolutely love oh, and I'm excited you. that you're doing live shows soon. Yes. With that, obviously that's not a nice time for you to, to talk to other people as well and, you know, I've, I've followed your interviews with people all through the years and it's so nice to have that really intimate listening experience with you what have you learned from other people maybe even over yeah. the last oh, few God, years because some podcasts are a place to be nosy well totally. it's for me yeah totally and I think you know they're an hour they're a good sort of 45 to an hour long so it's a proper chat and you can veer off and go into all sorts of territories um I guess the thing I've learned specifically from the podcast is that talking is brilliant um you know, without exception, every guest that I've interviewed, no matter what they've been through, if it's been horrific and tough and challenging, uh, talking has been the sort of first step out of it, you know, finding just one person to talk to or a community uh, of people that you feel supported within. Um, that's been probably the common link between them all. And and then hopefully we're kind of doing that again with the podcast because there's we've just I've actually just recorded 20 more that we're going to put out soon. And, um, and again, we've touched on some really different and difficult subjects and ones that people out there will hopefully go, oh my God, this is exactly what I need to hear right now. This is what I'm going through. Um, and that's the beauty of podcasts is that you, you, you know, you know, as well as I do, how connective they can be because it is so intimate. Um, and it's so sort of the opposite of, um, you know, media that want to get a headline. It, oh, it's, completely. It's like the total opposite. It's almost like there's no headline. You have to listen to the whole hour. Yeah. And, um, and it, yeah, in full. And also it's that trust because, you know, you're not, you're not doing it to get a headline or to get dirt. It's a genuine conversation. And that's why I think podcasts have had such a, a huge boost of love recently because you're just sort of voyeuristically listening in on something you feel like you shouldn't be. And it's, it's not an interview. It's just a really nice chat. And um, that's why I, lo- I love doing those podcasts more than anything. I adore them. Yeah, I, I kind of think of podcasting as like the opposite of Twitter. Because there's no character limit. It's just... And then you have less sort of awkward kind of arguments or everything's got nuance to it. Yeah, Which I really, totally. really love. Yeah, same. One thing that I have been writing about recently is kind of how our definition of success changes during our lives but also it can be different to all of our friends I just wondered what does success what does a successful day mean to you now yeah well you're right it's changed massively you know when I was in my 20s it was purely work-based that's all I cared about um was 
being as what I thought then was as successful as I could be, which was probably seen because then it was before social media was you know properly in the mix, and it was about being on a TV show that was big, so being seen. That was that sort of seemed to mean something. Um, whereas now I. That really doesn't factor into anything I'm doing. Um, numbers don't really factor into it. It's much more about the experience and, and how it felt and what I learned from that and then what travels on from that and, and where it goes to and, and the depth of the conversation rather than how big it is. So everything's become um, sort of smaller and pared back but um, much deeper and, and, and more honest. So... In a work sense, it's all about connectivity. And then just in, you know, the format of a day, it's, it would definitely include all the simple things being ticked off, like my kids eating well. Tick. Amazing. Success. Euphoria. Them going to bed really easily and quickly. Yay. Tick. Um, me feeling good, you know, all round. And some days you wake up and you just do. Sometimes you just don't. So on the days where I do, excellent. Um, just get yeah, just getting through the day without major drama. It hasn't got to be like some high extreme like I wanted in my twenties. Like, oh my god, I met Brad Pitt. It's not that anymore. It's just that was a fine day, and I've gone to bed, and I'm reading in bed. Great, that is success. It's very important to have those little just you moments, simple moments. And with this book, working with the illustrator who is on the front row, Sheena Dempsey, who we're very excited to have. Sheena in the house. Yes. How how was it um, collaborating? I'm asking you, and then we're going to ask Sheena. Yeah, she might have a very different story to my fairy tale. Um, It was an absolute dream. Um, When I started looking into how this book would work and working with Anderson, um, we looked at lots of different illustrators out there and Sheena's style was exactly what I sort of had in my head. Uh, Just sort of the the cuteness and the roundness and just the, you know, you look at that front cover and it's pure joy. And um, and I was like, yes, this person here. And then I met wonderful Sheena. Sheena came to my house and we had really nice discussions between all of us about you know what these characters would be like and what they represented and 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 what their lives were like and you know little tiny details like one of them has a bogey hanging out of his nose and you know little, the little Rex character is based on my son from when he was smaller and he carries around a thousand little bunny rabbits like my son does and just tiny little details that really bring the characters to life and then we got into the nitty-gritty of what the backgrounds would be like so I was really dead set on it looking very relatable and realistic to parents so it, it couldn't be just like oh these kids are all doing yoga or these kids are all just eating their meals it's got to be you know there's drawing on the wall because the kid's gone crazy with the crayon or there's a mess everywhere or you know the kid's been sick in the car and just bringing a bit of you know light humor but also reality to the situation that it's not going to be perfect and and Sheena just nailed that like you you can sit and look at one of the pages for you know ages just studying all the little details and the kids will pick something out different each time and notice a new little moment or part and, and the same for the adults there's something new to look at uh, with each sort of scene within the book so yeah I was like so grateful that, that Sheena that Sheena brought the whole thing to life completely. Those are my favourite types when I was little as a child where you, you look at one illustration and you're right you see different things every time. Yeah. Tiniest like attention it's to detail. Total skill. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Sheena could we have a few words from you? I think have you got a mic there? So when I heard that 
it was a top secret project kind of thing and I had to like try out I was like oh like I wonder what it is and then I had to pass a couple of like phases so at first I did some character sketch like my agent was kind of like babies doing yoga and I was like okay I did that and then I sent that off kind of thing to my agent and then it was like okay then I kind of got to the next stage so I had to do a sample spread um, so that was like, I think it was Sophie's spread, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So yeah. Sophie in her house with her mummy doing yoga and the cat. And then that was kind of, I think that was at that point we had the meeting and then I kind of went from there. Um, yeah, but I've like loved look, working on these books and the babies are so fun to draw. So cute. Yeah. That's and so cute. I, I kind of, I think I enjoy drawing kind of domestic scenes as well in terms of like, as you say, like the mess and the kind of crayon on the wall. And Some of that's based so on my normal. actual house as well. Like in Yoga yes. Baby, Sheena went around just taking lots of little pictures. So Rex's bedroom looks similar to Rex's bedroom and there's certain armchairs of mine that feature in the book and tables and like just little details that Sheena had picked up about my bathroom, all sorts of stuff. Uh, so whenever we look at yoga babies now, my son will go, I don't have that rocket in my room, so do you want to buy it for me? I'm like, it doesn't really work like that, but okay. Um, so yeah, all those little details have just been such a, a key part of the book and it's now allowed us to really set a style to, to follow on from Yoga Babies and yeah. that's a dream. Do you think it helped that you are an artist yourself and you have drawn I definitely know what I like. You know, I love art. It's always been in my life, you know, before anything, before telly, before writing, radio. My dad's a really talented artist. He's a sign writer by trade, but he's just drawn forever. So it's, it's been a huge part of my upbringing. And I love it now. Again, it's one of those things like writing that I can just sink into and time just disappears and I, I love it. And they've become, you know, my, my bio illustrations have become a big part of, of my books, Happy and Calm, and I've got a new one about to come out uh, later in the year. Um, so I, I really understand it and I, and I think that certainly helped um, communicating with Sheena, hopefully, but also just with the ideas and, and, and what I wanted it to look like. I, I love that process and I love the design process all around, even if it is, you know, the cover of a book that isn't as, you know, beautiful and detailed as this. Um, just because it's really interesting, like, what the human eye picks out. And when you're in a bookshop, it's such a big part of it for me, what the cover looks like. I'll buy a book based on the cover alone sometimes. So I think it is... It's an interesting sort of science behind that as well. But um, yeah, it, it was nice to be in... I can't do cartoons. You know, I wish I could, I could do a cartoony style, but it's just so not my skill set. So to find a talented person like Sheena to, to bring it to life was just... Oh, I was so happy. Bingo. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, final question from me, and then we're going to open it up because, you know, Fern is here tonight. It's, it's a rare occasion in Waterstones. I wondered, um, and this is wrapped up in, in a plug, which is accidental, but I just wrote a book called The Multi-Hyphen No Method, way, tell us Which about I was it. telling you about. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's there. But it's about... It's <laughs> about <laughs> you are so multi-talented and multifaceted, and you've actually got a whole range of audiences. You've got, um, you know, children that love your books. You've got, mm. you know, people maybe more my age who, who read your Happy and Calm books, and well, all ages. And then you've got Celebrity Juice, which is After Hours. Mm. Um, have you ever felt like you've had to pick one thing? No. I mean, probably more so at the start of my career. I mean, I've blagged the whole thing. I don't think I'm necessarily massively talented at anything. I just have given it a really good go. And one thing I will say is, 
I do work really hard because I really enjoy it. I'm not going, oh my God, I work so hard. It's awful. I absolutely love it. I love the writing. I love telly. I love radio. I love the design stuff. And I feel extremely lucky that I have found a career where I can do it all. You know, I feel absolutely ridiculously lucky to be able to, you know, create all these little things. And, um, and it is all about creating, you know, I'm not, the best writer out there. I'm not the best drawer. I'm not the best TV presenter. I'm not the best radio DJ, but I really love the process of creating something in those spaces. And I'll give it everything I've got and I'll work until midnight to, you know, write or work out a podcast and I'll, you know, drop the kids off at school and dash off somewhere else to do whatever. And my brain never stops thinking about it. I'm absolutely obsessed with all of it. So I think it's, that's kept the momentum going. Certainly. I've never just thought, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm doing Top of the Pops now. I'm just going to chill out. I've smashed it. You know, I've always thought I'm not doing well enough. I need to work harder. I could improve here. I could grow here. You know, I never feel like I've reached the peak with anything that I'm doing. Um, so there's always then room to try again and do something different. So that's how I've learned. And that's how, I, you know, when I started, I did my first TV job. I was awful. Of course I was awful. I'd never done it before. I was terrible. And you just keep doing it and keep doing it and you get a bit better. So I think, you know, I'm really young in my book career and I'm trying things out and experimenting and I'd like to keep on doing it for a long time. So I've got to keep getting better and get more focused and try new things and read even more than I do and talk to more authors and the same with any part of my career. So I think that's the only way I've managed to build it up and, and make it so varied is because I've given it a go and that's not always worked out. My God, you know, I've tried loads of things that have gone awfully, terribly, horribly wrong and it's been a nightmare. Um, but then the ones that have felt good and that have gained traction and done well, I've just really stuck to and, and ploughed a lot into. So, you know, I think there's there's luck involved. Um, there's sometimes a, a bit of talent. You know, I'm lucky that I know how to draw, but then I've had to work to get better at everything I do. So I think work and effort is is really key in all of it mm, I love that and I think watching you do what you do is is very validating to people watching you because they're thinking oh I might try something or I hope it's so. nice to see someone not have to stick to one thing it's, yeah, yeah I, I really do hope so like, especially the cookbooks that was you know I'm not Jamie Oliver or Nigella as much as I'd love to be I just really like cooking and you know, it was cool just to give it a go and see how it went. And I, and I was lucky to have that opportunity. And um, I didn't go into it thinking, you know, I'm going to, you know, take over all these guys, watch out Jamie Oliver. It was just like, I'm just going to give it a bash and sort of see what happens. And um, I don't see why anyone else can't do that. You know, I'm not the best at anything I do. I just really love it and put a lot of work in. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I could talk to you all night, but I, I've, I think I need to cap it there for now. But I'm going to try and get you back onto the podcast. <laughs> I would love um, to. I would love to. But yes, if anyone does have any questions, please do. I think we've got about 10, maybe 15 minutes. And then Fern's going to sign some books. The first person wins a prize. <laughs> they don't, but... Ah, oh, there we go. It's, it's horrible being the first person. It's the worst. Oh, okay. Hello, I've been a fan of your work probably ever since you were on Digging It and Smile. Oh <laughs> so God. this is a big a thing. Long <laughs> yeah, long time. Yeah, long time. I want to ask, how long do you spend uh, researching before you begin a book? And has your process of writing changed since your first published book? Yeah, definitely. Uh, what's your name, by the way? Sorry, we didn't ask. Asa. Asa. Um, with Happy, there, it was sort of incremental research as I went because the book started off 
without any particular focus. I didn't know what I was going to write and I didn't know how it was going to form. I just knew that I was going to try and write an honest book and no one around me knew what I was going to say because I hadn't talked about any of it before. So it started off just as a kind of, you know, I guess uh, an honest account of what I was feeling. And then the research came in the form of me going, actually, I need to go and interview people and see what their take is. So they were mainly friends, but it was really interesting to get new perspectives. Slightly different with Calm. It was uh, sort of more of an acute subject matter and, and it wasn't necessarily all about personal experience and anecdotes. So it was a little bit about anxiety and panic attacks because I get those. Um, but it was also about talking to people that are really expert in, you know, breathing, for instance, like the breathing expert that I've been using and she's worked on a few projects with me now and just grilling her about the power of breath, you know, something very simple like that. Um, so that, you know, each book has probably taken a good year to, to sort of research and write. And then the new one, I don't know if I've said what it's even called, and I don't think I'm allowed to, but anyway. She's just going to say, yeah, are we allowed to know? I don't think so, but I'll say it will be out there soon. But it's following on from Happy and Calm Nicely, and it needed a lot more research, a lot more research, um, because it's much more based on the brain. Um, yeah, I really don't know what to say because it's so difficult to not say something I shouldn't. But it did require more research and some very specific experts that would not be friends of mine. Not because I wouldn't want to be, but I just wouldn't know people that are this smart. So, um, yeah, some really brilliant brains that I picked. Um, and, yeah, it's it's like a, you know, a labour of love. It take, You know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of late nights and then not sleeping because I think that was rubbish I shouldn't have written that and then scrapping things and starting again but um but yeah really lovely moment when you hold it and go oh yay phew did it thank you Asa question did you find that um the publishers were reluctant to take on the work because of the subject matter you know what I'm sorry what's your name Johnny, Johnny um luckily um what happened with Happy and Calm, I was already working with um, the publishers on, a, on the cookbooks. So I'd done that. And then we were just sort of having loose conversations about, okay, what else? I'd never actually written a proper book before, but I, I love writing. And I was really getting into it from doing the cookbooks and the introductions and the storytelling behind it. Um, and we talked about writing one about happiness. But at this point, I hadn't been honest to my publishers and said, look, you know, I've had depressive episodes and I've been in dark places I'd never told anyone so that was a weird conversation to sort of bring into things and then things got more interesting they were like you know very supportive and yes if you would like to write a very honest book we will support you in that and you know hold your hand through the process and make sure that you feel very supported so um, I was really lucky and I think weirdly in the last sort of two years people have been talking about mental health a lot more openly and you know Brilliant people like Stephen Fry have been for a long time, but it's been much more prevalent in the last couple of years. You know, Prince Harry sort of telling his own story and, um, you know, lots of brilliant charities doing great things and, and getting it to the forefront of the media. So it was kind of good timing in that respect as well. So uh, luckily, I, there, was, there were no battles for that one. It must be nice for you to tell your story on your own platforms. You know, it's your books, your podcast. Yeah. Everything's in your control and you can it's say it how you want to say it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tricky if you are doing sort of press interviews or something and if you want to tell a story or it's a new piece of information, it, it will be taken out of context, there's no doubt about it. So I think once you've, as you said before, you know, you've 
interacted with someone in a podcast or you've written a book, you do have to listen to the whole thing or read the book to make it make sense and to have the understanding of, you know, the context of it. So, um, yeah, I feel lucky that everything I've sort of said or any stories I've told about myself, you know, they've kind of been how I've wanted to portray them and it's not been someone else of secondhand news doing it. So, yeah, very lucky in that respect. I think we've got time for a few more, if anyone has any. Uh, yep, we'll go here. Thank you, and then we'll come to you. Hi. Hi. Um, I work in children's books, and they have always been inspired to read and everything else. Um, is there a book or an author that inspired you? Did you grow up reading? Is that something that was part of your life when you were younger that kind of inspired these two books? Um, and is it something you still enjoy now? Is it, do you read for pleasure now? Both of you, I guess. I imagine, Emma, you must do as well as Fern. Is it something you do now too? And has that kind of carried on through your life? What's your name? Lexi. Lexi. Um, I was not a great reader when I was a kid. Um, I was obsessed with drawing and dancing. And I just wanted to do that. And that's all I did the whole time. I went to dance school, after school every night. And then I was drawing weekends. I was obsessed. Reading for me definitely came a bit later. Um, but now that is literally all I do. There is nothing more enjoyable to me than being in bed reading. I, like, if someone wants me to go to dinner with them, I'm like, no, can we do lunch? I don't want to. I want to be in bed reading. I absolutely love it. And it's my, I love being, my job is very out and loud and big. And I like going home and being small and quiet and reading. And I just absolutely adore it. So I think when I was younger, I, I loved picture books and, you know, probably read as much as any other school kid, but um, I wasn't an avid reader. But I think over the years, I've been inspired by so many people out there. I mean, probably more recently, one of the most amazing books I've read is uh, by a lady called Corna <coughs> Bell, who wrote a book called uh, Chase the Rainbow. And the way she writes has inspired me so massively, and it made me question my whole book. I was like, oh no, it's nowhere near as good as that. Like, she's just so amazing. So there's plenty, and like Matt Haig, obviously, is just fantastic. And, um, and I love Erin Kelly's novels. Um, there's so many amazing people out there. Emma, how about you? Well, the first author I would say that I got really obsessed with would be Jacqueline Wilson. But also the illustrations that went along with the books were such a massive part, and that's why I think the illustrations can just play such a role in capturing your imagination as a, as a child. I just wanted to ask, you know, Emma mentioned you've always got your fingers in other pies. How do you get yourself to that pie? What's your inspiration to think, I want to write about this, or I want to get involved in this, this is what I want to do? What's your name? Sonal. Sonal. Yeah. Um... I don't think I've ever given it much thought. I think it's all very gut instinct. Like, I know when something feels right. And that's certainly been, um, you know, when I've been writing, like, with Happy, it just felt right to do it then. It, it wouldn't have been right five years before that. But I think it is just, I'll have an idea, and then all of a sudden I become, I'm quite um, all or nothing. So if I've got an idea and I like it, that all of a sudden I'm telling everyone on my team, this is what we're doing, it's got to happen, and then the next day, why hasn't it happened? I want it to happen. I'm very impatient, so I put everything into it. Um, and it just is all gut instincts. I don't think I've ever sat there mulling over, like, what should I do next? It's been, you know, there have been periods of my career where I haven't worked much. When I left Radio 1... Um, I had a second child and I literally had no work. I was like, I don't know what's coming next. And I was quite scared at that point. Um, 
And that was the only time where I actually gave it much thought, like, what do I want to do? What is next? And even when I did kind of sit down and try and plot it out, it was almost pointless because it would never go down that route anyway. And then it all just started to luckily unfold with you know conversations and the cookbook and then more conversations and then happy and then happy just you know from that communication opened so many other doors because I was being honest and I didn't have to sort of fake it and be telefer and I was sort of the person that well, just was just being me. Um, so that was a very brilliant moment. But um, yeah, I've tried to not overthink it too much. But that doesn't mean that it's all been amazing and perfect. There have been like great periods of no work and absolute terror. I think one of the misconceptions is sometimes that you could people who do lots of things, they work on bits and bobs. Uh, not for not a very long time but actually you work on collaborations that are sometimes oh my like God, two years. or three years so actually yeah. it's not about it's not multitasking it's like you stick to one project oh absolutely and then work out how they run alongside each other yeah. because you know the books take ages all the design stuff that I'm doing takes years tv projects will probably be slightly more in chunks but still you know I'm working on a new tv show that comes out next year at the moment and it's taken up a good six months of the year so you do have to kind of go into that one with that hat on and then you go home and doing a book and then it's another hat and it's just sort of learning to get into different mindsets when you're doing each thing I guess. Yeah. Do we have time for one more? Sorry I'm having so much fun I don't know what the time is. Um, yeah it's just that I left my 16 uh, year old doing tea time with my six year old and then he said to me have you got any tips to get him to eat and I thought no, <laughs> I uh, not not really. And then I thought, I know somebody I'm going to ask. Um, so I just wanted to ask you about your f- top tips for tea time, and also um, just which is your favourite meal with the kids? Which which mm. which one do you enjoy the most? Um, ones they eat, they're the best ones. Um, there was a really good meal on holiday recently where we were in Ibiza, and a friend came over and he cooked. And he made Mexican, and I knew honey wouldn't go anywhere near it. She's like, absolutely, it's not pesto pasta, I'm not eating it. Um, whereas Rex is getting a bit more adventurous, and he liked the idea of putting things in things and wrapping things, and there being a process. And that was a real joy, that he was like discovering something new. And um, So that was really good. So I thought, I must try Mexican when I get home. I haven't, but I will do that. It's on my list. Um, I think tricks and tips, it's just... It is so tricky. I think definitely just the sneaking the veg in and sneaking fruit in where you can and making it fun. And, you know, I say this for myself more than anyone, trying not to get stressed. Because as soon as you, you know, go, please eat, you know, it just gets worse and worse. And I do do it all the time. And I forget to kind of just be calm and go, oh, God, if it's one meal, they're not eating it. It doesn't matter. But I think also them seeing you eat and be adventurous and try new things. So... I got a tip off of someone I was working with recently who in their house does Try It Friday. So every Friday, the kids have to try one new thing. It hasn't got to be a whole meal. It could be like, you know, a slice of pepper and hummus or something. They've got to try one new thing. So we've started doing that. Honey's like, I'm not into it. I'm not doing it. She's just like, <laughs> flat no. Whereas Rex is quite up for there being a challenge element. And yeah, I'm going to give it a try and be brave. So I think age plays into it you know he's five now he's kind of more um up for giving new stuff a bash so yeah try it friday is my my new thing i know this is for kids but i'm i'm getting a lot from this i need more vegetables there you go try it friday <laughs> it's friday today go and buy what a courgette like, and see I what think, you can do with it i think adults do wrong. this <laughs> very wrong i think Slip that out i think adults do it with no but courgette chips 
courgette chips. Let's get it back to what we're... Courgette. Courgette chips. Ex courgette. Away get from the courgette. <laughs> On that note, um, thank you so much for uh, wow, being such a great guest. And yeah. thank you all for your really great questions and happy weekend. Back at you. Yeah. Thanks, guys.